Hey, Joshua here. Uh, I'm standing uh, in the middle of uh, some BLM land uh, east of Bend, uh, just coming from my interview with this lovely guy, Jerry Sidoris. Uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to Andrew Smith for uh, recommending Jerry. It's a pretty interesting set of circumstances to, to get me out here today. Uh, I met Andrew at a yard sale that I had and I uh, enjoyed my chat with him and, and uh, yeah, well over a year later I, I met Jerry through Andrew uh, through this project and uh, just spent uh, three and a half hours uh, talking with someone who was a total stranger beforehand and um, I had such a, a warm time, uh, a warm, genuine um, and sensitive time. And uh, yeah, it's it's meant the world to me, uh, and I hope that um, you'll hear that in our conversation. And I hope I can convey that to you. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, I'm going to include a little bit of audio of uh, approximately 100 sled dogs barking. So uh, I'll put that in after this introduction. So don't be alarmed, and then it'll go into the interview. Um, Jerry's a, a sled dog racer and trainer and uh, operates a tour company and uh, the cacophony of the dogs uh, I found pretty amusing so wanted to f wanted to clue you in. Thanks for listening and uh, come back again soon. <laughs> I'm 71. I'll be 72 in December. Cool. Who are you and how do you describe yourself? Um, I'm um, a lifelong adventurer uh, as a young man. Uh, as a youngster, I was uh, really a wild a uh, wild child, and uh, I discovered athletics in about the sixth grade, and uh, I, I was totally obsessed with uh, athletics, uh, track and field, uh, basketball, football, baseball, uh, all through high school, and I, I had... Um, a lot of success, um, which defined me, uh, and uh, uh, and I had really great friends. Everyone was uh, had the same interests as I did, you know. I uh, and and from those adolescent childhood and adolescent friends. Um, I, um, I, I still have a lot of them, mm. you know, because we were really close, like brothers almost. Mm. 
and uh, later, uh, right after uh, adolescence, uh, I got drafted uh, into the Army. I went to college uh, and uh, r right out of high school, I went to the University of Oregon and uh, I had never learned how to study. You know, I got decent grades in high school, but it's because I paid attention and went to class. And uh, uh, when I got to college, uh, because of the fact that I'd never learned how to uh, study, <laughs> I, I flunked out. Mm. And back in 1967, uh, when you flunked out of college, uh, guess where you went? Mm. You, you got drafted immediately. And, uh, and I got drafted. And uh, they promised me if I took an extra year, if I signed up from the two-year draft to a three-year enlistment, I, I wouldn't go to Vietnam. So um, I totally believed them, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, I took that extra year. Hmm. And then my life has progressed, and here I am at age 70, almost 72. Hmm. What concerns you these days uh, about humanity and about the state of the world? Um, when I got drafted it takes me back there and when I took that extra year in the military uh, I really felt uh, because of my upbringing and uh, my schooling and the type of uh, in indoctrination us kids went through in the 50s and 60s that uh, Vietnam was really a wonderfully just thing that we were protecting uh, our neighbors and our loved ones from the dirty communists that were going to somehow infiltrate downtown Portland, Oregon. And um, when I realized that uh, uh, almost immediately that that uh, wasn't the case. I, I went through a real metamorphosis and and almost uh, a rebirth as a as a person, uh, and ended up challenging and questioning everything. And um, um, anyway, I've I've had a lifetime of of uh, of of questioning that era. And uh, uh, I've had a really good life. Hmm. What about the way things are these days? Like, uh, what is it that's getting under your skin? And like, what's affecting you personally about the about about how it is these days? Wow, um, I lost my train of thought in my last question. Uh, because now I, I in the last um, 
the last three or four years especially, I'm just completely blown away um, uh, at the uh, at the suggestions of uh, like this morning I heard uh, Donald Trump suggesting that there could be a civil war uh, to protect him uh, from the uh, uh, from the deep right, I mean the deep left, whatever he calls it. And uh, it, it's just amazing. I have a four-year-old grandson that is absolutely the true love of my life. And uh, I can't even uh, imagine um, the next 20 years of his life if we don't get things sorted out in the next two years of his life and, and get back on track as, a, uh, as just a regular dysfunctional society as opposed to a, uh, what appears to me as a pretty psychotic, dysfunctional society. Mm-hmm. What do people mean to you? Um, I, I, I've had this really, because of my business, um, the sled dog tour business at Mount Bachelor, and because I hire um, for the last 30 years um, anywhere from three to six uh, young people, fresh out of high school, fresh out of college, bright, young, motivated, mainly idealistic, outdoors people and athletes, I've been surrounded by them. And uh, the good thing is they've kept me really young and on my toes and uh, pretty physically, not pretty, uh, extremely physically active and and healthy. Um, And I'm still healthy except for my knees. Uh, I, I see people as, um, in my life, critically important. I, I've been, I've always had people around me, you know, and that's been my expectation, you know, with my business and, and before that, being a school teacher and, um, um, and a counselor of. Uh, court-mandated delinquent boys. I, I've just always been surrounded by lots of people with lots of issues and mm. lots of stuff on their mind. And um, uh, and I love it. I, I actually love people. Mm-hmm. Um, community... Uh, making up part of the name of this project is pretty decent part of the focus. Um, and I believe it's invariable that the people that I've interviewed for this project have um, claimed a lot of importance on their relationships. So uh, I've gone ahead and defined community as our relationships with each other and the world we live in. 
I find that to be the broadest, most encompassing definition of community there is. Some people want to talk about community as their um, individual social gathering, right? The community they live in or, or the church they attend or the club they belong to or the state or the nation. Or, but I think, like, it's everybody. Every animal, everybody, every plant uh, all across the earth is a community. <clears throat> and with that um, definition in mind and with the fact that so many people place so much importance on their relationships... Uh, why do you suppose we are having such a difficult time living in community and being kind to one another and considering equality and, and compassion and empathy? Well, boy, that's really a question. Um, Back when, when I was uh, an adolescent, uh, everything seemed kind of clear-cut. Um, I, I, first of all, I knew I had, I had my days completely filled with uh, school and practice and, and, and my friends. And then in the Army, uh, my days were completely filled with, uh, you know, uh, with the craziness that the military was to me. Um, as a as an adult today, um, what community means to me is, uh, well, actually, about thirty years ago. 35 years ago, 40 years ago, I, I discovered my love of uh, the outdoors and my desire just to live out here, out here, <laughs> meaning in the middle of everywhere. Some people say, oh, you live out there in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. Well, no, I live in the middle of everywhere. And... Uh, um, and I, I just feel so uh, lucky that I discovered this before I, before the internet um, and cable television, uh, when there was uh, no uh, no exterior outside entertainment available. Uh, my daughter and I, uh, I I raised her out here in the. Badlands Wilderness area, and we had a stairway up to our roof, and every single night, every night, we went up there and we camped out on top of the roof and laid flat on our backs and looked up at the Milky Way. And my daughter's visually impaired, um, and she would lay there and tell me what she saw. And uh, she was absolutely convinced from the time she was probably six, five or six till she was seven or eight that, uh, that she could hardly wait to get up there so she could see God <laughs> in the Milky Way. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool, you know. 
and uh, and now as an adult, she's a pretty spiritual person, you know. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think the world's in bad shape right now. I think the uh, the people that know better have really got to stand up. Um, and I think, um, you know, I really have a, several friends that really think differently than I do about life, about, I mean, about what I'm expressing right now, that are really great people. They just don't look at things the same way as I do. So I've got a lot of room for those people in my heart, and I don't think that we're in a desperate um, place. I think we have really desperate people um, that are that are trying to divide us. Um, as, as, but I think there's still a lot of hope for a, for a lot of good. Mm. Uh, why, what's the compulsion for the division? Do you, like why, 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 why is there motivation for people to divide us? Well, I, I think it's all, well, God, that's easy for me just to expose <laughs> and say, I think it's all money. You know, I think it's all the desire for, uh, uh, for wealth. And, uh, but then I see the folks, the really poor uh, uh, people that support Trump, I, I you know, I, I don't know how much I want to get into my feelings about Trump right now because I, I get a little irrational uh, <laughs> talking about irrational subjects. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, I see the irrational uh, support of of someone that could not even stand to be in their presence they would repulse him and his family and his children but they support him uh blindly and and i really believe somehow he's touched a chord um and um you know i know in my life that every day of my life I've gotten up and made something happen and made money, enough money to support myself and my daughter. Mm. And this few to several employees I have, I know that no one's given, no one's given me anything. Uh, but when I hear... Um, People say that, uh, you know, people that are against Trump just want a handout. It, it just really makes me crazy. Mm. And anyway, it just doesn't make sense, okay? Mm. Yeah. There's a, a tendency in, in folks to hope for a better future. And um, 
this year I interviewed a guy a couple of months ago. I used to ask this question a little bit differently, and he changed my mind on it. And so I ask it in a different way. So th there's this tendency to hope for a better future. It's like wishing for it to be different than it is. But the only th thing that controls that is like, uh, it's up to us. Like we decide how we want the future to be. Um, so do, uh, <clears throat> instead of saying like, do you wish for a better future? Uh, do you think that we will get a better future? Do you think we will work towards that? Well, I think hope is everything. I mean, I've, I've lived my life always with the desire to, uh, to have, things, have things a little easier than they, than they are now. But then I look around. I mean, I've, because of my uh, education and, and the things that I've done professionally, <coughs> I've seen um, people that looking at them, you'd think they don't, they don't have a, a prayer in the world. Um, they don't have a prayer. Adolescent boys that were felons at an early age to, to do any better in their lives. And, um, and it's pretty hard to, to talk to them about, uh, you know, developing a plan and having uh, hope, you know, to, to be a better person and to, mm. to not end up in adult jail. And it's pretty challenging. Um, for, for myself, um, I, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm not hoping for things for myself, you know. I'm, I'm hoping that I, I'm really comfortable. And I, I've, um, you know, paid my dues uh, psychologically trying to figure stuff out. And I, I don't think I figured necessarily anything out, but I figured out that uh, what I care about is uh, uh, a future for my grandson. I, I can't even imagine uh, anyone that has a grandchild that, you know, four to ten years old that isn't really worried about or at least concerned about their futures. And, you know, leaving them a lot of money or a few thousand bucks isn't going to make any difference. The world really has to change, you know. And uh, I went to a soccer game the other day and uh, with my grandson, who's four, and just really sees himself as a future Oregon Duck football player or uh, New York Red Bull soccer player, Portland Timber soccer player, and he's four. And um, if we don't get things sorted out a little bit, things are never going to be perfect. Uh, 
you know, I don't see much future uh, for the kids. And this, you know, back in the 70s and the early 80s, they called it runaway inflation. And now looking at the cost of everything, I, it's skyrocketing inflation, you know. And where will it stop? And what are people going to do just for a basic living, you know, the middle class? There is, uh, you know, the, the ultra, ultra wealthy uh, are so, they're digging their heels in and really developing strategies never to lose that wealth. And they're willing, they appear to be willing to do anything to protect it and I don't see lower functioning, oh how can I say this, uh, um, people that don't have a grasp of, of um, their tenuous existence uh, hanging in there financially uh, even for the basics. Yeah. yeah. You know, if uh, <laughs> if you had the answer, I'd be pretty impressed. You know, this is this is uh, dialogues. I don't know what else to do other than talk about it. I don't know if I'm just rambling and no, not no, making any sense you're at all. You're fine. You're fine. And if I am, you know, <laughs> delete it. Sure. <laughs> uh, do you have a sense of purpose? Yeah, I think I've always had a real sense of purpose. I think um, I, I, the the thing that really gave me purpose was when when my daughter was born. Before that, I think I just uh, wanted to be, uh, uh, to maintain my health. I was really into running and uh, marathon running. And, uh, you know, there was no more pole vaulting or uh, fantasies about being a great football player. I was 38 when she, when she was born, but I was, you know, really fit and pretty confident um, moving forward with my dogs. I was really focused on 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 myself. I was really it, that, that's what it was all about. Just staying fit and mm. eating right and uh, never uh, no booze, nothing that would interfere with my physical objectives. And then when Rachel was born, everything changed. Um, um, right away, I, from like the first month, I knew something was wrong with her vision. Um, and she's visually impaired. And, uh, <coughs> and I was a special ed teacher. And, um, and I knew how to go through the system. And it was so hard. You know, knowing how to navigate the system, I was 
blown away by how hard it was mm -hmm. and what it was like for me to be told no, that those services weren't available or mm -hmm. uh, that there was nothing that could be done. And, and, and it, hit, it, it hit me really hard back then. Well, then what in the heck do people that have no idea how to move through this, uh, how do they deal with it? When I was equipped with being part of the system. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so anyway, I, I spent years being an advocate for the, and I still am. I'm just not active. Um, you know, going to meetings and mm. advocating for for disabled kids and um, uh, juvenile delinquents and 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 all that. And uh, anyway, yeah. Then I I guess I kind of got uh, uh, when I decided to go after my the other pursuit of being a sled dog racer and operator and going out in the mountains and just clearing my brain of everything and just focusing on on my dogs and on the environment and uh and the beauty of the solid the the beauty that the solitude gave me um that's what i focused on for a long long time Oh, and making ends meet mm -hmm. uh, as a small business operator. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have tremendous respect for tiny businesses, mom and pops and daughters and sons and, I mean, daughters and dads, uh, businesses. And, uh, yeah, it's a miracle uh, that we exist in this corporate driven world one more okay uh, how How do we bridge gaps without judgment? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that, that is the thing. I, I, I mentioned earlier, I have so many friends that I love. I, I love a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and I've got friends that uh, say things occasionally politically and um, um, and just in general that just stop me in my tracks and I know that I do the same to them I know I do so I know that they're opening their heart to me and if they can open their hearts to me because I'm I, I'm pretty clearly a liberal a, a, in some ways extremist uh, and and they still love me. At least they give me the feeling 
that, you know, I'm totally acceptable in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then if they're not, you know, I just, I, I've got nothing for them. And they certainly have nothing for me. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I, um, I think that, uh, I, I what, what was well, the... How do we bridge gaps without the judgment? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> well, like I said, I've got nothing for them, so that's pretty judgmental, right. you know. But when I do find myself up against someone that, um, um, like, th th this morning's comment, this morning's tweet from Donald Trump, that he sees a civil war looming. Well, historically, the Civil War was to ratify the Constitution to make it illegal to own other people. Uh, and uh, for him to say something like that is just so outrageously appalling to me. Uh, it, it, at this point in my life, it, I'm not going to let my head explode anymore like it would have 50 years ago if I would hear talk like that, if I heard that uh, racist, uh, crazy talk. And the Civil War to me represents um, um, absolute blood in the streets. and. The difference back then in the 1850s and 60s is that there was a dividing line. There's no dividing line now. We're all neighbors, you know. And I live within um, a mile of people that think very radically differently than I do. And I, I don't want the president or anyone uh, suggesting that, um, you know, we, we can't figure stuff out and can't um, live together somehow, you know. Um, whenever I really start talking about this, like right now, I, could, I feel like I could go into my old hippie days, you know, and, and just, oh, why can't we all get along, you know. <laughs> And I think it's more complicated than that. But in some ways, but in other ways, it's not, you know. Um, I would say I have as many extremely conservative um, friends as I do uh, really liberal friends, maybe even more. Um, because of where I live and what I do, and and uh, I don't think I don't feel uh, fearful of you know those extreme remedies happening. Um, and for the sake of my grandson, uh, you know I I don't know if it's hope. You know if we're going back to hope for a better place. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm leery of asking everyone to think of, uh, uh, you know, the, the basics of that, uh, of the Beatitudes, the service, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Matthew 12, because uh, I'm definitely not, re- you know, a religious guy. Uh, but, you know, there's just some basics on, uh, on how to live. And a lot of people that are spouting off uh, really radical uh, issues and, and programs on both, both sides uh, should probably... Um, you know, think of their grandchildren, you know, and the fact that we've got to figure it out. Mm. And I I don't think we're doing a good job of it right now. Mm. I think we need politicians um, that really live it, that believe it, um, that believe that there's hope. And if the only hope a person has is to attain more uh, wealth and more power, then I, I I don't think that's very hopeful. Yeah. You have any closing thoughts? Oh man, I I just feel like I just was rambling and no, it's beautiful. Stupid. No, 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 it's beautiful. Really. Oh, man, that was hard. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. It was hard staying focused on the question. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry if, yeah. Don't be sorry. <laughs>